this was about as bizarre and as easy as it gets. So the number for me was a number that would allow me to never have to work. I feel like we got top, top, top. I went from a sale of you know five hundred thousand dollars to in debt. One hundred ninety-two million dollars. This is Built to Sell Radio with your host John Warlow. Okay, so what are the numbers on your company's dashboard? My guess is you look at your company's revenue and profitability, which are two great metrics to track, but there are another eight key drivers of the value of your company that go well beyond just revenue and profitability that are the things that acquirers want to know about. Going and getting your value builder score will help you look at your business through the lens of an acquirer. It takes about 15 minutes to do. Go to valuebuilder.com to get your score. Next up is Keith Wygant from DataNet Solutions, who sold his company to Fusion. Interesting story here because he had two competing offers. He originally agreed to go forward with the first offer, but ultimately consummated the deal with the second. I'll let him describe how he structured that and how he got the second offer back in play. One of the things I want you to listen for is the length of time it takes to do due diligence and some of the things that acquirers do to extend that. And the, the only defense you have as an entrepreneur uh, is to try to get competing offers and try to get your advisors to drive a process for you so that you can really drive the sense of urgency. In this case, Keith got dragged out a little bit, which is one of the reasons his first deal got taken off the table. Uh, but for you, you really want competing offers and so that you've got some tension that you can drive the deadline. Otherwise, they'll extend it out for you, uh, in some cases, into years. Uh, here is Keith Wygant to tell you the rest of the story. Keith Wygant, welcome to Built to Sell Radio. Thanks, John. Good to be here. Yeah, for sure. So tell me about DataNet Solutions. What, are you, what did you guys do? Uh, we were a medical software company. Uh, we provided uh, electronic medical records and prescription software and that sort of thing for the um, nonprofit or the healthcare industry, being the community health centers, the FQHCs and that sort of thing. Got it. So if I'm a, if I'm a, a medical clinic, I, I want to keep track of my patients' information, what, you know, what medicines they're on, what procedures they've gone through. I would use your software to do that? Sure. Yeah. We were primarily for the nonprofits or the uninsured. Uh, okay. Government funded a lot of the cases, um, so the uh, and they operated different than the typical uh, practice did. You know, they had the uh, pharmacy within the same building as the uh, the doctor's office, and so they needed multiple things in one package. So yeah, that was our, our specific niche. And this was a piece of software that they did. Was it a SaaS based or a cloud based? They accessed it through the internet or is it something that loaded onto their hard drive? What was the. It started out loading uh, on their hard drive. Uh, we installed it on at each clinic. And then we went over to a, um, a hosted environment for some. It was still a Windows based application, um, but it, we did offer the hosting, which uh, grew over the years to, you know, be pretty good uh, over 25% I guess of our, our business was the hosting part. And what was the business model? How did you sell the software? Uh, direct direct to the uh, clinics. Uh, they hear about us through word of mouth and uh, um, conferences were a big a big uh, part of the uh, marketing 
strategy. And how did you bill them? Was it like on a monthly basis, like a SaaS you know, monthly payment, or did they pay once and own it forever? Uh, they did pay once, but then there was a maintenance fee for e- that was uh, billed monthly. Um, if they hosted with us, then of course there was a, an additional hosting fee as well. Got it. Got it. So you had you had multiple streams of revenue. You had the one-off payments, you had the maintenance fee, and the hosting fee for some. How much Correct. of your revenue, you know, by the time you sold, how much was it was recurring, either in the in the maintenance fee or the hosting fee? Uh. I would say probably sixty percent of it. Oh was wow, that's a big chunk. Yeah. Okay, got it. And and how big did you get it before you wanted to sell? In terms of kind of how many employees or revenue? What was the size of the company? Uh, we had, I, I guess, at our peak of employees for the data net, we had somewhere around 10, uh, 10 employees. Uh, we were uh, about thirty five hundred users, you know, doctors, uh, pharmacists, that sort of thing. And I think we spanned about 40 states. Got it. And and what triggered you to want to sell? Uh, a couple things. I, I guess the two biggest factors was um, I was getting a little burned out in, in that in that field. It was just I was ready to move on with some other uh, projects that I had, uh, had planned for. Uh, and then the other factor that kind of pushed us over the top was this was the um, the time when the Obamacare was getting enacted and and going to uh, come to fruition in the next couple of years implemented. Uh, and there was a lot of requirements um, that I just didn't have the, uh, I guess I didn't have the strength to, to face with somewhat of a burnout anyway. I didn't have the strength to to, uh, to pursue the, the certifications and to get to that part that uh, was required by the Obamacare healthcare stuff coming out. How did you finance the growth of the business to 10 employees? Was it a, was it 100% based on your cash flow or were you did you bring on outside investors? No, we didn't. It was all homegrown. Uh, we grew organically and uh, you know funded everything from our sales. Yeah. Yeah, I was fortunate I didn't have to take any VC money uh, or other friendly money. And what was burning you out? I, I think a lot of listeners would 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 hear that and empathize with you and say, "Yeah, I feel kind of burnt out sometimes too." But for you, I think it'd be curious to know what was driving the the height of the burnout. Well, we went we went through some major changes uh, with the software. Um, we we started with one platform, and then we uh, moved over to a, an updated platform, uh, a .NET specific platform. So we went through, um, uh, that was a significant um, amount of work to convert that over to a, a different platform. Um, and there was, of course, the challenges that come with that. The, um, uh, you know, I've been dealing with the, the clinics um, for, at that point, 14 years. So it was just, I think, overall, uh, the, um, uh, the, the work, the, the dealing with the clinics, uh, you know, in a good way, just the normal, the normal everyday stuff. Uh, and, um, I think just overall, it just became, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little tired of, and there were some other things I wanted to do anyway. Yeah. Um, I was software. curious about that. What, what else did you want to go do? Uh, I had a, and still, you know, that's what I'm in now is uh, interest in real estate. And so I've, I've kind of always dabbled in it. To some degree, commercial or um, residential, or uh, residential. Well, from from the investment part, uh, residential, but from the software part, you know, it, is everything. So I, I wanted to, um, I wanted to almost start from scratch with the software 
uh, and go into the real estate industry, which we're in now. So that, you know, that was in the, uh, the back burner. Uh, and, you know, it's, um, it's funny you should mention that because you know I do this show every week. So we've done like 100 plus episodes. And I think a lot of people believe that when when someone decides to sell their company, it's because they want to retire. But your your actual example is much more common, which is they, they had another idea they wanted to go do and they were just kind of bored of this albatross they had and they, they wanted to go create something well, else. Yeah, sometimes what you do is, you know, since I started DataNet, it was 14 years at that point. Um, when you think of a new idea like I had for the real estate, then it's like, okay, from all the mistakes I've made with DataNet, from uh, from the, picking the platform and just the the whole structure of the of the of the of the build, um, I'd like to start over and really take what I learned now and do it so much better and see how much better. Uh, I can I can do so. It's almost like a, a redo, an opportunity to do a redo, and just take what you've learned and just really launch your next project. Um, so I was excited about that. Were you tempted to to do the redo on DataNet? In other words, almost almost restart DataNet on the new platform with a new billing model. Like, did did you go down the route of maybe saying, okay, what if we make a huge change, a revolutionary change to DataNet, wouldn't that have been in some ways easier than starting scratch in real estate? Um, no, I, I would think no. And the reason is because bec in addition to the change from the platform that we had, um, then there was a whole new uh, set of government regulations from the Obama uh, care thing. So the, the, those regulations were pretty extensive. Um, and so I, I just, and, and coupled with the somewhat of a burnout, I just figured, you know, I'm, I, it's time to move on past the medical industry. Um, and uh, I just didn't um, want to start from scratch from a technical standpoint, as well as a regulation standpoint Got in it. that industry. So you decide it's time to sell. So, so 10 employees, kind of ballpark, what are you doing top line at this point? Uh, as far as pr uh, numbers or? Yeah, or, top line revenue. Yeah. Um, you, know, we're, uh, you know, I would say we were close to a million. Got it. So you've got, you've got a, like a, a, a significant business on the go here. You've got 10 employees. Where did you go to sell it? Like, what was the next step? Did you, like, where did you go next when you decided it was time to sell? Um, I went to a, a, a broker. Um, I did not, um, you know, this was my first time using one. So um, I, I, I don't remember how I found them, but I did find a local uh, broker out of uh, Chattanooga. So um, I used them and then we kind of interviewed a little bit and went back and forth and, uh, and, and then that's how it started. And where did it go from there? Um, well, after he did his initial uh I guess like a case study on the business and write up some some documentation uh, to get it advertised. Um, then he once he advertised, I think we've got about within two weeks, I believe it was, we got two LOIs. Wow! So some two separate companies within two weeks. <clears throat> yeah. What was your yeah. reaction to that? Um, well, I, again, I didn't know what to compare it to, but he said it was pretty good to get two. Um, so we uh, we we evaluated both of them, and uh, um, I, I, I initially picked um, 
the one I didn't end up going with uh, for the initial LOI and pursued that one first. Um, well, then, let's let's talk about when you looked at the two LOIs. Uh, what was the difference between the two? So I'd be curious to know sort of how they were valuing the company, like what methodology they were using, and then sort of the the material differences between the two offers. Yeah, the between the two, the actual uh, selling price was really almost dead on. Really? Um, yeah, I believe it or not, the um, the first one. Uh, was looking at fifty uh, percent cash up front with with a fifty percent note. Um, and for folks then, who don't, uh, for folks who don't know what a note is, can you describe what you mean by a note? Uh, just a like promissory note that they will pay me the the balance over a period of time with set uh, uh, set terms, like an interest rate. Yeah, yeah, Go. with an interest rate. I think the first one was um, uh, the first LOI that I first initially accepted was six percent. Uh, interest and then the um, the ended up the second uh, the actual acquirer um, was their note was at five percent but you know it's it's pretty um, um, it was pretty close. Got it. And so the first offer, what multiple of EBITDA was the first offer at? They they both were about three and a half times uh, EBITDA. Yeah, but times EBITDA. Um, the uh, yeah, like I said, they were really close on their on the evaluation. What so, about the what about offer two? So you had a three and a half times multiple. What was the ca- what were the other cash kind of versus note components? That was, I mean, they had uh, the the first one uh, had um, the fifty percent note, and then it was paid over. Um, I want to say five years, starting six months after the the closing, um, and then the second LOI, uh, which I finally you know went to acquisition was um um uh, 80% upfront and 20% note um and then there was also an earnout with the uh with that that one too so the one i finally took so it it moved the 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 uh, value up even more um on the earnout but that one the one i finally did accept was it was an SBA loan on his end, so there. I guess there are some things that uh, there are some requirements for the SBA. So his was the SBA was going to be starting the um, second year. They would pay interest only on the note, and then uh, third year on it would be um, you know the full am on the note. So I didn't want that. I wouldn't accept a two-year uh, wait for two years and then and then interest only. So. Um, we did a, uh, uh, we did a, a, um, a separate agreement that would kick off in one year from the sale of, from the closing. And that agreement was more of a, uh, a contract, uh, agreement. Um, uh, and it would start my payments starting in the 13th month. And so it would continue. So I would get my payments, you know, when I wanted and then, uh, and then the SBA part would really just kick in, and I really, really wouldn't notice a difference. But we had to write it up that way. Got it. That's interesting. Now, for those uh, listening who who don't know that acronym SBA, particularly if you're listening outside of the United States, it stands for Small Business Administration. So part of the SBA is they they will uh, guarantee essentially loans. 
um, through banks uh, for people to buy businesses that meet a certain set of criteria. In this case, um, that's what you're referring to, right, Keith? It was a it was a loan. They they got an SBA loan to uh, correct an SBA correct. sort of sanctioned or underwritten loan. Got it. Sure. Uh, and so your original sort of interest was you, you decided to go with offer one to begin with because the note was going to be paid as of six months as opposed to after two years. Is that right? Well, yeah, there was there was probably some other reasons, too. It wasn't just the timing of the note, um, you know, overall, their value because of the, the, the without the earnout was was less. Um, uh, there was probably some other factors. I don't remember offhand what they were. Um, but I just decided to go with the first one. Um, and, and on both, on both offers, it was, it was in my, my upfront, um, documentation with the broker that I wanted to make sure that, you know, the employees would stay, you know, that there was be no changes with the employees. And so, um, on the first one that I accepted, um, uh, besides the delays of the closing and not delays because they weren't finished with the due diligence. It was just delays. They just, they delayed it like four or five times uh, to the point where I just felt uncomfortable. So I backed out. But in addition to that, um, the, they, I think they accidentally leaked out to my broker that they were going to move the company to Chicago and, um, and, you know, you know, say goodbye to the employees. And I, I, because the broker called me and said, I just heard this uh, from them and I don't think they meant to tell him. Uh, and so that was the that was the clincher. And I said, no, that's that's it. So I canceled that one. Did you um, have the rights to cancel it, Keith? Like had you had you not sort of signed the letter of intent? Yeah, we know we had we had uh, uh, we had. Uh, it, uh, it built in there that I, I, I can cancel uh, as far as the closing. I, basically, I didn't renew. I, for each time the closing had got extended, I had to sign an agreement. And the last time I failed, I wouldn't sign the, the extension. Why, so it just it really collapsed the thing. Why was the LOI, uh, why was an extension required? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, the first times it was it was extended like four or five times, and it would be extended another month, another six months. The first few times it was extended, he would say that, uh, well, they're not finished with some of their paperwork. They're working on some some financing, some ch they're changing some financing around, so they're not going to do it the way they thought. Um, so it was just like, okay, I'll wait, I'll sign the extension. Um, so after whatever three, maybe four times, and they kept extending it. Uh, besides raising red flags, there, it was just at that same time that the broker told me that little news clip about what their plans were. And that was never discussed and it wouldn't have been agreed to. Um, so I say, OK, well, that's that's my that's my uh, um, that's that's my uh, cue to to uh, not sign this extension uh, on the closing. Wow. And, so uh, you, you got strung a line three four times by these guys where they were asking yeah. for these extensions. Now, were they changing yeah. at, at, at the extension points? Were they, were they starting to change deal terms? No, the no, same terms. No it was just, look, we got a, we need another month. Correct. Yeah. No, no, no changes in the deal at all. No, uh, and so they, they were just saying they're running behind they, they didn't finalize whatever their finances or whatever the financing, I should say. Um, so, um, you know, first couple of times I said, okay, you know, you know, I'll let you get some things in order, whatever. But, um, then it started raising red flags. 
uh, after God passed, you know, two and three. Were they times. aware that you had a competing offer on the table? Uh, they did from the beginning at this point, while they were doing, uh, scheduling the closings, um, they probably thought that first deal was, was by the wayside. And, and so did I, to be honest with you, I, I didn't know if that would be an alternative or not. Um, so I was 100% with this first, uh, this first deal. You sound like a pretty laid back guy, Keith. I gotta, I gotta say, I would be like apoplectic if my deal got <laughs> got extended three or four times. Did, did were, like, how was your state of mind each each one of these extensions? Um, you know, it's it, it got more frustrating the the longer it went on. Um, so uh, I am, I guess, some degree laid back, but at, at some point, enough is enough. And when it got to the third and fourth extension request. Uh, I was already frustrated to to uh, to um, um, just cancel the thing. But, I, you know, again, I was still facing, well, you know, um, I've kind of turned down anyone else at this point, And this is my only one right now. I am wanting to sell. You know, like I said, I was, I was doing that uh, going through that little burnout stage. So I, I was hoping it would going to go through. Um, which, uh, but at some point you just put, throw your hands up and say, well, I'll just, I'll just keep it. I'll just keep the company. And, and that's when I wouldn't sign the second one. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I wouldn't sign the extension on the last one. And then, uh, of course, I also learned the news about moving the company. So that, that, that solidified it. Why but was, then I, why did you care if they moved? Well, is I wouldn't care so much that they moved, but that they were going to terminate the employees. Uh, my employees were not going to move to Chicago, uh, and and I knew that, and he knew that. Um, but but he, that was never mentioned. He said he was going to keep them as is. We had moved to a, uh, a remote workplace environment um, in, t- in anticipation of, of selling the company. I had owned the uh, uh, we had owned the office building that we were in. Um, so when we put this up for sale, we we you know we moved everybody to. Uh, home to work from home so we were already in that home environment so did your um, employees know you were selling they did not 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 until the the final not until offer two was was correct and not until we yeah, we had everything solidified and everything was done and then then i notified them what was their reaction uh well from the we we met in the conference room and uh uh, everybody was seemed to be okay except one. Uh, she was quite upset. Um, I think she was more upset that I didn't tell her in advance. Um, but you know, you just can't. I felt I just really couldn't say anything because I just, you know, how office talk goes, and I just wasn't sure that, you know, it wouldn't uh, it, it wouldn't get out, and I didn't want it to get out without me giving some explanation and and a full the full picture, you know. People worry about their jobs, and so I wanted to be able to present it uh, to everybody at one time with the uh, with the full picture, with all the facts, not part of the facts, or you know. Did you tell them that you know you'd you'd save them in a lot of ways in not consummating the first deal that would have had them terminated? I did, uh, and I also uh, the second deal had um, some uh, equity stake uh, stock options for them that he was uh, presenting to them. Uh, there was a commitment on their part, I think, if I remember right, for 
three years and they would have some stock in, in the company. So I thought that was a good thing too. And I thought they'd be encouraged by that. Um, but you know, when you first break the news, um, uh, you know, like I said, the others seemed fine. You don't know, uh, uh, what they were actually thinking, but the, the one particular person was, um, was really upset about it. Um, and when you not, say upset, are, are you like, is she screaming at you at the top of her lungs in front of everybody or just kind of crying in the corner? Oh, like, no, what was the, no. when you say upset, just give me like, what was she verb? Like, how did you know she was upset? Yeah. Well, she, the questions that she was asking back and the, um, um, you know, the little bit of the attitude, it wasn't any yelling or screaming, but it was certainly raising questions and shaking her head. No. And, you know, like this isn't this isn't good. Kind of it was a lot of body language uh, as as well as the questions that she was asking and and um, and some of the comments that were making. But they were all, you know, they were all civil you know, comments, but it, it, you can certainly um, um, you can certainly understand that. Uh, uh, she was not happy. Um, why not why quite, did she think she should have been told before everybody else? Uh, she was one of the very early on employees. And so she, you know, she has been through the thick and thin, uh, uh, the good and the bad with us as a company. Uh, so I guess maybe there was a, um, um, a little more um, devotion that she felt and that she thought I should have had um, to her. Which um, you know, th this whole process was employees were were a big part of you know uh, taking care of them. So it, it they were all always in the forefront anyway, and not just her. I mean, all of them were. I I didn't treat any uh, any of them different as far as um, trying to get the best for them. So um, you know. So let's go back to the story of the sale itself. So after the third or fourth extension, you choose not to renew with offer one. How did you reignite the conversation with the second company, which ended up being a company called Fusion, I understand? Correct. Yeah. Um, I had called him back. Now, by this time, I guess it was um, you know, six, eight months, somewhere around there that I had spoken to him that I was working with this, the, the first LOI. So it's been, it was wild since I call, called him. And so I, I just made a phone call. I said, listen, uh, um, you know, this first deal went through, fell through, I should say, fell through. And, uh, you know, are you still interested? He said, yes. So we kicked it off. And how was that experience through diligence? Uh, that took, I, I guess the whole time took close to a year and a half uh, before closing. Um, so, you know, it, the, a lot of work, um, he was, um, um, he, you know, he's, he's done this before. So he knew, uh, he knew what he wanted as far as, you know, paperwork and documentation and all of his due diligence. He's gone through this a few times before, or they've gone through it I, I mean, as a company. So it was a lot of work. Um, a lot of reports that I had to produce financials, um, uh, you know, I had to break down, explain all the, you know, the different categories from hosting, where the revenue is coming from, and the breakdown of the business and the and the customer base and that sort of thing. So, it it was um uh it was certainly um a lot of work, but you know, it's my first one, so uh, um you know, we went we got through it. Eighteen months sounds like an eternity. Tell me, was this uh, like what was driving? 
the the length of the the diligence process why why was it taking so long well you know of course the first um the the first one we i wasted whatever it was six or eight months with the first guy so yeah. um yeah so that that was what it what it was so the second one um uh it's it just just the process i he he traveled a lot the company uh, uh ceo traveled a lot so uh there were some delays in in getting some of the stuff the due diligence part done on his on his end uh but i don't really think it was too much delay on that i think it, it just took that uh him you know that extra uh 10 months or whatever it was for the second one to get through all the thing and to schedule things out and um you know, um, we went back and forth a couple of times, you know, the, the first part of it, the first, I would say two months was negotiation. Uh, he presented things I wouldn't, I didn't want to accept and went, went back and forth. And that's where we ended up with, um, uh, you know, the, the separate contract, you know, so the, the negotiation part was probably the first month or two. Got it. Got it. And then the rest diligence, uh, on his, yeah. on his yeah. behalf. So got he, it. He probably had seven, six, seven months of due diligence and to, to closing and then scheduling the closing, you know, so that took a little time to just to schedule it out. And so were you being asked to, to renew on the LOI during this? Because typically LOIs that I've seen would be sort of due diligence would be 60 days or 90 days. Were you being, were those being extended and were you being asked to sign extensions? Yeah. Yeah. On that, on this, when we call the second, the second company fusion, they, uh, they presented a new LOI. I think there was the kickoff of that after I told them I was interested. So, um, so, and, and then we went from there. Got it. Wow. What an amazing story. So you ultimately, uh, consummated the, the deal with fusion and, and went ahead and sold the company. Um, what's been like life been like after, after selling? Well, the um, it, it's like going from a hundred miles an hour to you know dead calm, and it was for the first you know it was like because I was so into the work and there was so much to do uh, every day at work, and then all of a sudden to realize the next day um, you you have nothing to do and nowhere to go. So it's just it was just uh, I don't know how. To, well to explain it's just different just weird to some degree but you but had it didn't an last long, you, know? you had an earnout right keith how was the earnout structured what were your targets for the earnout the the earnout was um after 3 years um they would have to do x amount of in sales um uh starting in 3 years they would start evaluating that so you know because i had that note for the first uh, uh the first part of uh, uh the first 3 years i think the note was for and then um and then the earnout was based on performance on their part, um, which <clears throat> you know I don't put a whole lot of emphasis on earnouts. In fact, I almost just brushed that to the side and would have done the deal uh, without that because to me that's if it if it comes through, it's 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 uh, icing on the cake. Um, I don't you know when you're dealing with earnouts, you you're worried you're dealing with someone else running a, con a company that you don't know how well they're going to do. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I don't put a lot of emphasis on that, but it, it was structured on their performance after three years and go and still going forward. It's, I'm still, uh, in that earnout period. So, 
and, we'll and see how it, are you earning are you expecting to earn anything out of the earnout? uh I, I I'm not I'm not expecting it to be honest with you. Um, I I think uh, I think some of the um, um, uh, some of the performance things after uh, it was sold did not go the direction uh, or as fast th- at, that they wanted. Um, um, but you know, so we'll see. It's it's still I'm still in that uh, earnout period, uh, so we'll we'll see what happens. But it hasn't happened yet. On and the earnout part of it, as part of the negotiation, in addition to the earnout, what was your role to be after the sale? Were they were they asking you to stay on as sort of a general manager or division president, or what was what was that like? Um, they we had a consulting fee, um, consulting contract that I would consult with them for during the transition. Um, I, I don't remember if that consulting fee. I, I want to say it was a year a commitment. Uh, but on a consulting basis, not a full time, not every day, you know, in the office kind of deal. So, uh, which is what I wanted. I, I kind of wanted just to, to um, you know, be out of it. But I wanted to support them because it's it's uh, you know it's something that uh, we we started, and uh, I wanted to make sure that it succeeded during the transition. So I was all 100 percent in on that. So that was a 12 month um, commitment there. And and was that uh, to be billed based on the hours that you worked, or was it a set fee that you agreed to in advance? It was a set fee uh, based on the hours I worked. Yeah, so I would bill him. Now, now I believe the first ninety days was just we weren't billing; it was just whatever they needed from me. Um, I would provide time wise, you know, information wise, uh, whatever expertise. But then um, uh, after ninety days, it, it would be billed at a preset hourly rate. Got it. And then he or she could call on you as, as needed sort of thing. Correct. Correct. And how, how much did they call on you after the 90 day window? Um, it, uh, it, it dropped off pretty quick as far as the amount of time that I was uh, committing. Um, um, yeah, it dropped off quicker than I thought, which was fine. I mean, I was all, I was delighted to be honest with you. Um, but I thought they would need me a little bit longer, but, um, uh, so, so they, I guess they got a handle on it pretty quick. And so, how do you like when you think about emotionally that fourteen-year period in your life of DataNet? Like, how do you sort of think about it in your mind now that it's now that it's wrapped up? Um, it, you know, I left a different career and started into into this career. So it's a this is a second um, career change being, for me. This being the real estate. Uh, no, the uh, software, the medical, the oh, software. Okay. Uh, yeah. I had come from a different uh, career background. Uh, uh, to So so looking back at the 14 years, um, uh, I, I'm still glad I, I made the switch as far as from one career to the next. It was a, uh, a challenging 14 uh, years with the data net. It was challenging from um, a learning curve, learning experience from all aspects, from running a business to, uh, you know, dealing with customers and coding and software. And I mean, just the whole gamut was a learning experience. I don't think there was anything that, that I knew ahead of time. And if I had known it ahead of time, I may not have you know, got into it. Uh, uh, because, you know, being in business for yourself is not, uh, is not for the, um, lighthearted and I'll say that. So, um, it's, it's, it's full of challenges. Um, and so looking back, uh, I'm, I'm glad I did it and, and, uh, you know, uh, excited for the opportunity of what I've learned over those, 
those years from, uh, you know, from uh, moving from a, the, the original developer uh, all, all the way up to, you know, the senior management part where you're having to deal with senior management issues. So, Do you feel like in the end you were fairly compensated for the 14 years that you dedicated to the business? Um, I was from, from their perspective. Uh, no, but from, from your uh, perspective. Uh, yeah. Well, from, yes, from my perspective, uh, I was, um, I don't, uh, I think it was, it was a fair deal. Um, if I had known, uh, early on at the beginning of the, of the, of the company, um, some goals that I had set, uh, uh I, I should have said, let me say it that way. Um, then, you know, I could have, uh, uh, could have done even better on the exit. What might you have uh, done differently in the way of goals? If you, like you mentioned goals, what goals would you have put in place? It, it took, well, I would have had some exit strategies in place. Um, I, I didn't think early on based on the market, uh, the, the nonprofit, the market, I, I didn't, I, I had a decent understanding of it, but I didn't think it would be as big as it was. Um, so I kind of thought, well, maybe this is just going to be a lifestyle business, you know? So, I didn't really have uh, exit strategies in play uh, uh, in the beginning, and if I had planned that way, um, we would have exited, you know, uh, in a much stronger position. Well, so. it sounds like you had a, a very fair exit and and most of your deal up front, which is which is always great. Um, Keith, I appreciate you sharing the story with us. Is there? I know people are going to want to reach out and and uh, and contact you. Is there a best place for people to do that uh probably linkedin is the is the most uh 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 most popular way and Great. it's just you just search for me yeah keith, keith wygand it's it's w e i g a n d is that correct correct awesome yeah. keith wygand uh well listen thank you very much for sharing the story sure thanks john Thanks for listening to Built to Sell Radio with John Warlow. For complete show notes with links to additional resources, visit builttosell.com slash blog. John is the founder of the Value Builder System. To find out how to improve the value of your business by 71%, visit valuebuildersystem.com. John is also the author of Built to Sell, creating a business that can thrive without you and the automatic customer, creating a subscription business in any industry. Connect with John at Facebook.com slash Built to Sell or on Twitter at John Warlow, W-A-R-R-I-L-L-O-W. Thanks for listening.